Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury free and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a show for women who are chasing their everyday and epic adventures. This podcast is hosted by Christy Moan and me, Katherine Taylor, and powered by Feisty Media. Hey, all, it's just Katherine here this week. I missed Christy this week. I just did a bad job coordinating things, and I've got to get this to our podcast editor so she can get it to you on Tuesday. But uh, I don't know if anybody watched this past weekend, the USA Gravel Cycling Championships. I wasn't sure what I thought of USA Cycling Gravel Cycling Championships. That's a really big mouthful. But um, it looked like they created a really great vibe from what I could tell on social media, and that it was some really great racing. So I'm going to try to dig a little deeper into that this week and catch up with a couple of people, see what they thought. But I don't know. Um, it, I think like there is a path for people that want to be more competitive and want to go for a national championship jersey or a world, um, world championship jersey. And there's also a path for those of us that don't want to compete at all and just show up at events and have a lot of fun. And so I'm cautiously happy that USA Cycling is creating these paths for people who really want to go on and race at that top level um, around the world. 
And so I'll be interested to see what happens, but it does look like it was a very fun vibe and people were having a great time at the event. Anyway, um, like I said, I won't ramble long. I'm going to introduce you to our guest. This is actually someone that I met in the very early days of Girls Gone Gravel. I think I just started the Instagram account and I was a Trek um, women's ambassador and went to Wisconsin for their women's summit and met Margaret, Margaret Baraskas. I might have said that wrong. Sorry, Margaret, if I did. Um, and we just kind of became friends, and I followed her on social media and the evolution of things that she's done. She's in Indiana. She uh, always has great pictures on her Instagram and is doing rad things and uh, now works with uh, Cycling Bicycling Indiana. So I think you're going to enjoy my catch-up with her. It's just me interviewing this week. This was a few weeks ago, and Christy had been on a trip. Anyway, that's all I got for you this week. Uh, talk to you soon. One of the most frustrating things about going to big gravel races in the last few years is I have been getting sick pretty much every time I travel. And I travel about once a month for work or to a big gravel event or something related. And it's so frustrating when I get there and I can already feel the sore throat and the cold coming on. And it really takes me out for several weeks. And that's why I'm excited about our new podcast sponsor, Prevenex. We've worked with Prevenex within our feisty brands for a long time. If you listen to Hit Play Not Pause, you've heard about joint support. Um, you've also heard about how their great protein powder. But I am really obsessed with this product called Immune Health Plus. It has helped me go from getting sick every time I travel to I have not been sick one time this year. And, and I've also been on the road a good bit already this year. So it has everything that you need for immune health support, and it's way better than anything you're going to find in a grocery store or health food store. It's supercharged with immune-boosting ingredients like elderberry fruit, extract, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin C, and calcium. Now, if you want to stay healthy through your race season this year, you're going to use the code Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off your first purchase of Immune Health Plus or any of their other products. That's Girls Gone Gravel for 15% off of your purchase, and you go to Prevenex.com. You can find that in the show notes. I uh, So I'm here solo today. This is Catherine, and I am here with somebody that I actually met in 2019, and we've just followed each other on the socials. But we haven't uh, connected since then. So I have Margaret Baraskas. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. <laughs> Yay. Um, okay. We met in 2019 when we were both Trek ambassadors in Wisconsin. When we were at the right. Trek Summit. Correct. Women's Summit. Um, and then I started following you on social and uh, you just do a lot of really rad things. So I wanted to get you on and uh, talk about that with our community uh, but first of all, before we get to that, let's let everybody get to know you a little bit. Tell us how your story of the bike, how did you get on the bike? How did you fall in love with it? Yeah. Sure. I remember you actually didn't start the girls gone gravel. I think at the time when I met you or did you, I, it may have been started, but it was like very small, I right? Think. Right. Like mess, less than a thousand people or something right. on our Instagram page. So I started cycling in college. I would commute. Um, I would ride my bike. I grew up in, uh, Dexter, Michigan, which is near Ann Arbor, Michigan. And then I went to school in Ypsilanti and I would ride my bike. And then I decided to do a triathlon and that was, you know, the start of everything. Um, I then got into mountain biking because where I lived and moved with my husband, um, near, uh, Detroit, um, I, I 
found multiple mountain bike trails and it wasn't really super easy to ride your road bike or anything like that. Um, so I, I dived into the mountain bike scene and I met an incredible community of mountain bikers in the Metro Detroit area where I lived. I would ride and we would go out to eat and we would be super social. And it was really exciting because the sport was really intimidating and I didn't understand um, really how to to mountain bike, you know, seriously, competitively or, or whatever. Um, but I found this really great group. Um, and then I moved suddenly to Indiana and that's where my journey of, of becoming a, I guess, community oriented cycling individual started, which was back in 2017. Wow. And, um, so I always just picture Indiana as kind of flat and boring. It is. But it's not. <laughs> but your pictures are always stunning. Are you just really good at photography, or are there just I think really great that? <laughs> <laughs> I really like taking great photos. Um, a lot of people say that I have a certain eye for it, but I do find very unique places in a very flat corn and soybean filled area. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and then, how did you like? Because when I knew you, you were also doing gravel cycling. So by 2019. So how did you get into that? So I bought a cheap mountain bike. I was mountain biking, trying to figure out how to mountain bike in Indiana. And it didn't really look as exciting as Michigan, which is which is okay. Um, my A couple of my friends took me on a covered bridge tour. And it was just like beginning of 2017. And I was on my mountain bike. And it was probably one of the most exciting rides I'd ever done in my life. It was around 60 miles. We hit like six, seven covered bridges up in Park County, which is near uh, Rockville, if anyone doesn't know where that is. And it was very casual, very exciting, lots of scenery. Um, The covered bridges were historical, but yet also very beautiful. Um, The gravel was different than what I had experienced in riding as well as it was challenging because the hills and the different terrain. Um, But it was really eye-opening that I could go ride on gravel and not worry about, you know, if I didn't know how to ride a mountain bike trail. Yeah, that's cool. Because a lot of times you hear the opposite, like people that love mountain biking are like, and the first time I went on a gravel ride, it was really boring. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. So what percent do you do mountain biking versus gravel now? I'm a strict cross-country mountain biker, (laughs) meaning that I don't do the downhill. I don't do the really technical stuff. It's pretty much like a road crit if people joke about it. Um, But I would say 10% of my riding every year is around mountain biking. And the rest, I would say, is about 50% road. And then obviously it's not going to add up to 100 now, but, you know, half and half road and gravel. Um, I really do love road riding, but at the same time, I just went on a road, uh, I'm sorry, a gravel ride a couple of days ago and it was just refreshing. You didn't have to worry about, you know, being in a pace line. You didn't have to worry about, you know, cars. It was off road in the country. Didn't have to worry about much and just adventure. Yeah. And you also do some of those lesser known Midwest events that people are always like, I love this event, but it just doesn't kind of it's not quote unquote big enough to kind of hit the national calendar, yeah. I guess. Not that there's a national, but you know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. one of the ones that are, is talked about. The biggest one that I've done in my cycling career was Barry Roubaix in Michigan. 
that was probably one of the most exciting, well put on, you know, like production wise event that I had ever experienced that. And then second, which is a local event, which I've helped with many, many times, which is Dust Bowl, which I hope you can come out to at some point. Um, but it's in this little town of, uh, in Indiana called Eminence. And he has 800, 900 riders show up in this teeny tiny town in Indiana. But anyway, the biggest event that I have done, which was really exciting, which was Barrow Bay was the most extravagant. I don't even know if that's the correct word to use, but just gravel culture, you know, shoved into a race and people were excited. People were supportive and it was super inclusive, even though people took it very seriously as a race. I think that's what I'm thinking of because it's kind of I see every year people are like, when I'm like, what's the favorite of it? At least several people say Barry Roubaix, but it mm-hmm. also doesn't kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Yeah. Um, they had, I think 4,500 riders there or racers oh, and wow. it, there were different <laughs> legs. They're huh? just like, we don't need you. <laughs> yeah. Right. There were different, different mileages, of course. And then like within my race, which was the 62, um, there were multiple waves of like 100, 150 people. And that was to me way overwhelming. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And I just kind of figured it out. Um, but what I really liked about the the event and the culture was I got to like hang out with my team and we got to travel and we got to, you know, get an Airbnb and like relax and get food together and dinner, you know, and hang out and then prep for the race and have this big weekend together. And I had never experienced that before. So I always tell my girlfriends that are on the team, can we do that again? You know? Yeah. Okay. Tell me about your team. Cause I know you've tagged us in reels before and I've been like, I'm going to use this reel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you have some really fun people on the team. So how did that come about? Like, sure. what's it all about? So Jay's bikes, women's racing team. I know it's kind of a mouthful. Um, <laughs> we, we started back I think 20, 2020, I want to say it was before the COVID kind of crazy stuff happened, but I had a couple of girlfriends that were stronger riders in Terre Haute and we were like, yeah, let's do it. Like, let's start a team. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what to even start with. I Googled some information about other local teams. There was a couple in Chicago. There was a couple maybe in Michigan. And I just looked at their criteria as well as their description of their team and determine like what was our mission and what the goals were for the team. So I started with around four women. It was really small, really casual. We did a couple rides together, you know, every other month or whatever we could do. And then it kind of, kind of went great. It it blew up. And now I have 10 women, including myself that um, are fully sponsored. Um, and it's really exciting to see the different types of women that are on the team. Now we are not a elite cat one, two, you know, race team. We are probably not even a cat five majority of the women don't necessarily race, but they are strong enough where the casual group rides are too slow for them, but yet Mm -hmm. they still want to, to focus on pushing themselves and riding faster or try racing. A lot of them haven't actually raced at all. And a lot of my women are trying racing for the first time this year, which is exciting because there's a lot of events that I think that are really encouraging, um, as well as trying to get women, you know, to register. The other thing that's a big component is I always joke and I tell people we're all like middle-aged and half of us are going into menopause or half of us are like getting to the age of 40, where we have to consider that we're, 
going to go into menopause and our bodies are changing. I think our youngest is 29. And I really think that's a really important part of this culture that I'm creating in this team is we're not these young, out of college, really aggressive, you know, female cyclists that want to race, 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 race. We are the middle-aged kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word old, but we're just kind of like hanging in there. Bodies are changing. Yeah. And actually we had a really great discussion. I'm hoping to bring in an OBGYN. That's a friend to, to talk about hormones because it's really important that, you know, the women understand as we get older, you know, our hormones change. Right. Um, another thing too, is, uh, a lot of us have kids and I think that's a big draw for some of the women that have joined recently is to, to see that and go, okay, I can do it. I can work full time. I can have kids and still go on these team rides or still go on the hard group rides and it, it'll all work. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't know if you know, our, within Feisty, our most popular podcast is our menopause podcast. Yeah called hit play, not pause. It's, it's for active women that are yeah. pre-menopause or through menopause. Yeah. So it's all the resources and stuff, but we were, so I'm 49 RC. No, I'm 48. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, don't jump too early. <laughs> seven. We were all in, um, we were in Victoria this past weekend. We're filming a new course for feisty and we were just talking about, you know, like our bodies and how they change. And I'm like, there are some days where I just like the things that I used to be able to just push through and do, I'm like, I can't do yeah. that. Or I don't feel like it. Or like, yeah. I was like, I, I'm really starting to understand why people just kind of drop out of sports, like whatever they love at this time in life. Because if you have a week where your body just feels weird and off or you're sore for no reason, when you've it's been doing just, something for so long, it's like, why, why am I sore from this? I've right. done this a million times. And right. it's all about your hormones changing. Yep. It, if you don't have a safe space and a community that encourages you and that you can talk about that with, it is really easy to just go, right. Well, I, I can't do this. Like, I don't love it anymore because you know, like my body is not responding the way right. it always right. has. No, I totally get it. Yeah. We we've had a couple of discussions. One of my good friends uh, just turned 51 and she's going through the ups and the downs and she just talks to me and I, I mean, I'm younger, I'm, I'm 35 yeah. and and I just think it's really helpful for the other women at the different ages that we're, we're all at from 30, what, 29 to up to, to 52. Um, it's really exciting to hear that the women want to talk about it. And I, we have one girl um, who went through a lot of health changes and she got an e-bike and it has changed her life. And, and I love watching her as well as hearing her say, I love riding it. I love riding now. I'm still working, right? I'm still pushing myself, but now I'm leading. I'm not getting dropped. I'm not feeling horrible. Like, and I love the fact that e-bikes bring that, you know, inclusivity to the situation. Yeah. I know some people are anti-e-bike, but I'm a massive fan of them. And I I just think like, it's something I I will really consider because i at this stage of my life, I'm very busy with my job. It's fun. I really like doing strength training, but I also still really enjoy going out and riding, exploring beautiful places. I just don't want to train as much as I need right. to, to enjoy those rides. Right. <laughs> she loves like, it. She got that new specialized. I don't know what the, the yeah. model is, but she absolutely loves it. And I adore watching her, you know, love it. Yeah. I love that you have people on your team. Um, when you say that they're sponsored, like, what does that, what does it mean? Like, just so people sure. know, like, what is it, what is a, like, 
So I possible there. (laughs) Yeah. I, I reached out to a female owned and full female staffed um, dentist that was here in Terre Haute. She is this very exciting um, dentist here in Terre Haute. And she decided to fully sponsor each woman. So that includes jerseys, a helmet, some accessories, as well as just general support um, when it comes to funding. Um, My goal is to alleviate the costs of gear. So that way the women can spend their money on races or other things that they want. Um, And it's not like a full, like thousands and thousands of dollars per, per woman. It's literally just caught, you know, covering the, the basic costs of just like a kit and a helmet and, and whatever. And I think, I think they see the value in it because now I'm saying, oh, you can go buy the gear that you want or register for the races that you want. I know some teams cover the costs of, of like airfare or, or, you know, hotels or registration fees. Our team is not, I think, at that level um, to be traveling and to be buying, you know, really expensive tickets um, to to races. But my goal was, again, just to basically make us all look super pro, make us look like a team and then create that culture. Right. And community. But then on on top of it, say, hey, I'm going to do my best to support you financially and then you can do whatever you want with the rest of your funding. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, that goes a long way when you're giving somebody a kit and a Yeah, helmet. it does. It makes them feel like the they're- Bits are not cheap. <laughs> they're like a, $200 sometimes for a really nice pair of bibs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rafa, Rafa. But anyway, I'm not yeah. going to brand. <laughs> the good thing about bibs is if you take care of them, they will last a long time, but mm-hmm. they're not cheap. That is true. Um, that is very true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then how do you all ride together every week or do you? Sure. We try to ride monthly as a team. Now life gets busy. A lot of us have kids. Um, it just gets crazy. Some of us, like we had one girl that just went to Leadville. Um, we've had girls travel mountain biking, you know, to Ohio, to Michigan or whatever. And usually the Terre Haute crew kind of has their own little gig going on. Um, and we try to do weekly rides, but then majority of it is a monthly ride where we all try to meet up and try to ride. But again, like I said, schedules and, yeah. and life happens and we try to do whatever. Um, we, we've had a couple team building, you know, events where one, we went to SRAM here in Indianapolis where they have the wheel production facility. And then we've had a couple events where it's just like super casual. We just show up, hang out. And actually that was where we had the best like talks about just being female. And that was when we talked about hormones and getting old, basically. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think like for our community, like a lot of times people are like, I wish I could start something. I don't want to leave group rides, but a team is a viable option. And like, even thinking through something like you may know a female business owner who would love to have her brand Mm -hmm. out riding around your community every Mm -hmm. week, Um, you know, or something like that. Like those business owners actually get to write that off as an expense Absolutely, their business. So yes. they, they want to write off a certain amount every year. Yeah. Um, and I will say we are with another group, which is the main Jay's bikes team, which is like the co-ed kind of club. So we use their nonprofit, but for, for the people who are listening and you can let people know this, if you aren't a nonprofit quote unquote, and can't say, Oh, it's a tax write-off. 
you can do it as a business and just tell tell the people who are donating, oh, you can't write it off. And a lot of people don't at that level really see it as an issue. If you're donating like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and they actually want to write it off, that's different. Um, but I've seen a lot of success with teams that are officially non, that are not nonprofits, yeah. still get donations and still still do what we're doing. They can categorize it, I would think, as a marketing expense, which they yes. still get to then use as a business expense, yes. not yes. necessarily the same kind of write-off. Yeah. Anyway, we don't have to get into the nitty gritty of business. If you're tired of those gross plastic water bottles that kind of get funky after a few uses, then our new podcast sponsor is definitely somebody you should check out. Bevo is a performance hydration company with sophisticated metal water bottles designed for cycling. That means they fit in any bike cage and their patented gravity flow technology makes it easy to drink with no need to squeeze. They also, if you get the insulated version, will keep your water cold for 12 plus hours. They have a silicone mouthpiece, which makes it really easy to open when you're riding. And like they said, the water just flows. It's really easy to use. Bevo offers both insulated and non-insulated bottles. And the advantage of those metal water, water bottles and that silicone mouthpiece is that they're not gonna get funky or gross. They're easy to clean in the dishwasher. You can try Bevo water bottles for yourself by going to drinkbevo, that's B-I-V-O dot com, and use the code DRINK underscore FEISTY, all caps, for free ground and U.S. shipping. If you're looking for a bag to power your epic adventures, look no further than women-led brand Fierce Hazel. I love their bags and that they are all functional, which means they're lightweight, durable, and rainproof, which is very important. They are sustainable. All are made of upcycled or recycled or responsibly sourced materials. And they're made in California with unique designs. Some of the bags that I'm loving are their handlebar and saddle bags from their True Grit line that make it easy to carry everything and they're very lightweight. Uh, and their Echelon pouches. I have had so many Ziploc bags shoved into things everywhere, and these pouches just make it really easy to carry everything um, in one seamless pouch. You can go over to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash girls gone gravel and use the code girls gone gravel to get 30% off your purchase at checkout. But um, why did you think it was important to have a women's team from the bike shop? Sure. Um, I think this year has been the best year that I have witnessed what I, I had hoped to see, which was basically a bunch of middle-aged women riding <laughs> and supporting each other. Yeah, And I think it's just great because we're all different shapes. We're all different sizes. We're all different fitness levels, but yet we're all still on one team together. Right. Um, Honestly, I wanted to start a team because one, there wasn't a team in Terre Haute. And at the time there was only one other team in the state of Indiana, which was Upland, who I'm actually good friends with, who is an elite kind of road crit racing team. Um, and now there's actually a third now, which I just heard about in the last like couple of weeks, which is really great because in the state of Indiana, you would think there would be more women's teams, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes somebody that says, puts their hand up and says, I'll do it. Like I'll, right. I'll be the leader. Right. And there's work to that. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. Lots of work. But what I love though is, is, and my husband sees it all the time is these women were originally not super competitive and, and they still aren't super competitive because I I've created that culture of like, you're going to be humble. You're not going to be like super cocky and like, I'm number one, you know, you're, you're going to be respectful and you're going to treat other riders with respect. Right. But I think a lot of these women never raced before, and now they're diving into that kind of grassroots racing, which is, you know, not super high up, but not super low, but they're still pushing each other. And I think it's something that's really encouraging for them because they get a taste of racing, but yet if, if it's not their thing, they can still be part of a team and they can still push each other and they can still ride. Yeah. Yeah, I, we hear a lot of times from, especially women, I don't want to race like an event that are always it's intimidating. Like, it's intimidating. But I think the other thing with racing is that so much of it is just like giving yourself a challenge. Like it's not mm-hmm. about the people you race. It's about like, just can I put the work in and show up and be my right. best on that day? Right. And be I always say to the girls, you do you boo is what we always say <laughs> is, the, is the main saying we always yeah. say to the girls, but also you do your race. And, and a lot of the women, especially the older women, they're like, I have to go to work. You know, I can't crash. I I'm older. Like my bones are weaker. Like I, I can't recover fast enough. And so a lot of them just kind of tame it down and they always kind of bring that, you know, respect. And I think attitude to races that they're in and they kind of almost push that off onto the other women that are not on the team in their mm-hmm. race to help encourage them and say hey look like this isn't UCI this isn't USAC like let's just have fun like don't do don't do dumb stuff you know let's yeah. race and, and stay upright and <laughs> so I think that's a huge part of hopefully that my team is pushing off onto other women like encouragement you know yeah yeah I love that Okay. Well, you have a new job recently. Yay! Tell me what you're doing. It's with bikes. I know it is with bikes. So previous I was with NICA, which was working with kids and getting kids on bikes in the state of Indiana, which was exciting. Um, I definitely had, I, I made some decisions life-wise that I needed to move on. And I was approached by an organization called Bicycle Indiana, which is a nonprofit advocacy organization across the state. Um, I'm fairly new. It's about what, five months in, um, I was approached again. I wasn't looking and they, they thought that my, um, experience in the cycling world in the state of Indiana was, was well, like a good fit for this organization. And four months later, after many interviews and phone calls, um, I got the position. So I've been in it for about five, five months. Um, I've been traveling around the state right now, just meeting and greeting with a bunch of bike shops because if you think about it bike shops are the community they're the hub get it the pun um but they are the hub of every community and and again i'm in i'm in a city that's smaller and you know outside of indianapolis and um each community is so different so i'm trying to travel and get feedback and kind of get a feel for what the state needs um but do i know exactly what i'm doing not really. Um, but off the record, maybe don't put that in the article or, or whatever you're going <laughs> to, <recording her. laughs> but I will say that the organization has been very quiet for two years. So I think now that there's a person like myself in the position with energy and wanting to really kind of bring light back to this organization, it's been, um, a big learning curve. 
Um, so what do we do? Um, to be honest, the previous, I would say the last like 10 years, the organization has focused on advocacy, bike safety, and the legislative aspect of it, meaning that if there was a bill or something in the political realms of the cycling world, uh, Bicycle Indiana would would help and support that that movement. Um, right now, Margaret, in the position that she's in right now, is trying to almost rebrand because the organization focused on the donut of Indianapolis, which is fine. Um, but there is so much going around in the entire state. And that's why I've been traveling because with NICA, I traveled to meet people to start teams and get kids on bikes. And I've met a handful of incredible humans across the state, you know, to um, focus on cycling and getting people on bikes, whether it's kids or not. So um, to answer your question, that's what I've been doing. Um, Bicycle Indiana is again at a point where it's rebranding, but at the same time, I'm still trying to focus on community education, bike safety, as well as just advocating that cycling is good, it's healthy, um, and you can do it in many, many forms. Yeah, I I knew there like I think most states we were talking about this before we went we recorded, but I yeah. think most states do have some kind of bicycling advocacy organization. And they tend to often be involved in some of the legislative stuff, especially when, unfortunately, like there are tragedies in the state yeah. where, I mean, we just saw in Colorado, the kid that was killed. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, uh, and so those organizations, and, and Colorado has actually pushed uh, for more stringent laws than other places and their okay. governor has been involved. So I think their bike advocacy group has been very involved in that. And I know a lot of people after that happened are like, what can I do? And so probably looking to see if there's an organization like yours in the state that they could start with right. like finding if there are resources for legislative advocacy would be a lot of it. We recommend rep- reaching out to your local representative and, and seeing what the steps are to, to do that. I've been, I know not to take away from people getting in an accident or, or I shouldn't use the word accident crash. incident. Yeah. Crash. crash. Um, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> right. Um, I've been focusing on actually dogs and, and cycling right now. And we have this webinar yeah. that I have a lawyer as well as individuals from like law enforcement, a vet to talk about if you do get bit, like wh- what do you need to check for if the dog doesn't have their rabies shots? Like, what do you do? Um, and it's just, it's a big hot topic right now. Um, and a lot of the state, I've been having individuals reach out to me about how there's dog attacks and dog attacks and dog attacks. And it's just, I love dogs. I love dogs. I don't like when they chase me and it's not the dog's fault, you know? And so I think it comes down to educating the owners, um, and, and the culture and hopefully changing it. Um, and so I think myself in this particular position is hopefully as an public figure, right? A speaker, as well as educating the state about the resources that are available, which is, hey, if you get bit by a dog, what do you do? And I've had multiple people say, I didn't report it. I'm like, you didn't report it to the police? They're like, no, I didn't know I was supposed to. I'm like, the dog bit you. Like the, the dog actually attacked you. You need to report it because you could potentially have rabies as well as the dog is aggressive. Like it needs to be reported. And I think even on top of it, just people 
don't know what they're supposed to do when it comes to situations, whether it's a dog, whether it's a vehicle, whether it's anything, you know, and I think organizations such as Bicycle Indiana will hopefully be that bridge to help educate people. Yeah. Uh, Well, since you brought that up and it is a massive topic in the gravel community, what should people do if they get Sure. (laughs) Since you've learned, tell us. (laughs) I I love dogs. I have I have knock on wood. I have not been bit, but I have been chased so many times. I went on one ride for 40 miles and I had 15 dogs. Oh my gosh. You're not selling Indiana riding. (laughs) I know, right? And and to be honest, when I was in Michigan, there was never I never had a dog chase me. I'd hear dogs, but I think in the state of Indiana, the difference is, is the houses are closer to the street where I yeah. think in Michigan, they're pushed further back. But anyway, um, if you do get bit by a dog, one, call the non-emergency line if it's not life-threatening. Now, if you do get bit and it is life-threatening, you're bleeding and there's you know really bad situation, call 911. Um, that is the best option. But if you, if you just get bit and there's just a little bit of, you know, a situation, call the non-emergency line, call the health department is what I've learned. A lot of people don't necessarily understand that that's the most important part of it. The health department tracks these types of situations and rabies. And so in order for them to do their job correctly, right, they need to have the data um, and the report. And so typically if you get a, if you get bit by a dog, or it could be a cat, I guess. Um, but if you get bit by an animal, cat. yeah, you go <laughs> out, you, you go to the urgent care, you go to the hospital, whatever. The nurse, the healthcare provider should report it. The police officer, if you call, should report it. But there are chances that sometimes that doesn't happen. So you have to call the health department, is what I've learned in this past like couple of weeks. Always, always call. Um, the other thing too is keep the wound clean. Don't cover it up because bacteria can get pushed into there and cause even more of an infection. If the dog is not vaccinated, meaning he doesn't have the rabies, whatever shot, you will have to get probably rabies treatment. And that is based on your healthcare provider. But I would say in general, if you get bit, report it to the police, the house, the situation, take pictures, make sure you document it. Um, but again, report it to the health department because the health department needs that information to determine how to track it for rabies. That's good to know. I actually got bit by a dog running when I lived in oh, Georgia. Oh shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. And <laughs> that it was, it was just like some neighbor's dog that got out and they were home and like, they were kind of terrorized the neighborhood dogs. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was like bound to happen eventually, but so one of the neighbors, while this was happening, called 911 and mm-hmm. then the police, like every ambulance police, you know, so I, I actually didn't go to the emergency room because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, you know, like it was a bite. Yeah. It was, yeah. but anyway, I, it was shocking, like how much, um, and it was fine. I didn't need to go to the emergency room. My, my neighbor was a paramedic. I went over and she was like, just what you said, clean this, blah, blah, keep them, keep a lookout. Like they had their rabies shots, but, um, it was shocking how much like, cause it was on my leg. It bruised up like the next few days. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Cause I'm like, well, it's just a dog bite, you know? And a but, lot of it isn't the dog. It's the homeowner. You it, know, the oh, dog- this was 100% owners that did not yeah. care for yeah. their dogs. And it ended up being a long yeah. and interesting process yeah. with them. But you know, like, because I do love dogs, I'm like, 
but I don't want to report them because I don't I want know. the dogs to be euthanized because it's not their fault. And they didn't, they ended up like in a no call shelter. Okay. But um, yeah, it just, it's a hard situation if you're an animal lover. You I know? know. Luckily in Indiana, it doesn't seem that people take the animals away because I've been on many rides where dogs have caused issues and reported and the dogs are still there. So <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Indiana. <laughs> we whenever we do our gravel festival there's like it's pretty common in arkansas kind of the roads for dogs to be out too so we do a little dog briefing of what's good do. you know it's great be a dog and how to what handle do you do? it so, right so so yeah i know i know it's a topic that people are interested in so yeah well what do you have coming up the rest of the year bike um i'm gonna be traveling a little bit more uh, for work, um, race wise, I don't really have any big races coming up. I just did Dust Bowl, which is something that's I talked about earlier, which is a um, big gravel event here in the state of Indiana in a little small town of Eminence. Um, and he has over 800, 900 riders, and it's that's it's a, nice a really great, yeah, it's great. It's doubled and tripled, and it's it's really nice to see a well put on event, you know, here in the state of Indiana. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to be traveling hopefully to connect with more and more people and really get excitement around, uh, the, the topic of cycling, but also just, I would say community building. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt that you can do it. You've got the energy. <laughs> well, thank you. There's some days when I'm tired, but I, I understand. <laughs> well, uh, if people want to find you or your team on social media, where can they follow you? They can check me out as well as the team on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I don't know if I can just like message you that or do you want me yeah, to say we'll it? Put it in the show notes we'll put, put it in the show notes but you can say it too if people oh, okay are well i have to actually look at it because <laughs> you have to really... look up your handles don't, <laughs> that sounds about right don't judge right. me okay so my um instagram is m and then the little underscore i guess uh-huh. it's called last name b-a-r-a-w-s-k-a-s so margaret baraskas and that's my personal um commute or i guess personal and work and then the women's page is Jay's Bikes Women's Racing Team. We didn't talk about Indiana Gravel. Do we oh, have time for me. that? Yeah, yeah. Tell me. Tell so me. I followed a group, your group, um, but also a, a page called Gravel Freaks. And I don't know who runs that. But what I love about Gravel Freaks is it, it's like a free page, basically, that you can tag and they'll reshare. And I think you do that as well. And, and other gravel pages do it. And I thought, man, there's no one, there's, there's not a page for Indiana. So I started one for Indiana and I kind of kept it on the hush hush. Cause I didn't want to be known. Like I wanted it to be like super incognito yeah. or whatever, but anyway, it's called Indiana gravel. And it's basically a community that I started back in April um, we went from zero followers to 700 um, and we're in what, August? Is it August? Yeah, that's, and um, it's hard to grow on Instagram right now. Yeah. And it's just like reposting and tagging and really working with local events to really promote the sport, but also just the type of riding. Um, and then I created um, a, in a, like an interactive map of different people that are across the state that were contacts that I could trust basically to to help 
if somebody was like, hey, I'm going to be going up to Lafayette, where, where can I ride? And they can contact somebody. Or like if they come to Terre Haute, who can I contact? They'll contact me. So there's a map. Um, there's an event calendar as well as, um, I guess I should see what else is on there. Different rides. And I encourage community members that are part of the page to share rides with me. So that way they can share it to the public. So like if somebody has a ride going near Brown County, you know, we can post it on there and people can see it and then they can be encouraged to join. Um, so overall it's going really well. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my little yeah. other side project is a test of how can you use social media to create a culture. And you've done that already yeah. with, with gravel. Well, people love it. Like that's really how they we grew do. in the beginning is we just reshared everybody's content they and then we started having like podcasts and stuff. And so we mm-hmm. start sharing people's stories a little bit more, but um, I love that. Cause I think people like to go on those things and find places and there it's hard to find. There's no centralized good gravel. You should check out Ohio gravel grinders. They okay. have an incredible map. Um, interactive map. They pay for it with Briarwood GPS. I am too cheap and I won't pay for it, but they have this great map that if you submit a route to them, it goes up and you can see like every single route that's ever been submitted on this big map. And it's really cool because you can obviously visually look at it and determine what route is best for you. Yeah, that's really cool. Well, okay. If anybody lives in Indiana or wants to visit Indiana or are in the surrounding states, Check mm-hmm. out Indiana Gravel to find all the gravel resources in Indiana. You and got it. Message Margaret. She'll give you the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much for your time today. It was really fun to catch up again. Yeah. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast and be sure to follow us at girls gone gravel on Instagram or Facebook.